but about two years ago, I was raped. There's a lot of anger. We're not being manly enough. There are two ideas about safe spaces. My understanding of the world changed. And I felt numb. Are you a man or a mouse? I was alone. I couldn't bring myself to say it. I was lost. All I wanted was to be able to share my experience, what was happening to me with someone. Hey everyone and welcome once again to Safe Places and Spaces for Men. This is your male survivor, resiliency and leadership development coach, Thomas Edward. And you hear my voice, you can tell <laughs> I've been traveling, right? So, uh, of course, I was in Seattle uh, last week, if you guys heard that podcast, working with the client, and then in Canada, and if hopefully you heard that podcast also, working with a client, uh, Mike, up in Canada. Uh, and now I am back, of course, in California. So I've been going through, if you want to call it uh, climate change <laughs> or temperature change. So, you know, leaving here and it was 70 something um, and then getting there and it's like 30 something. There's frost on the ground in Seattle. Then getting up to Canada where it warms up just, a you know, a little bit sometime and it gets warm. And um back to Seattle where it's cold and then back to California and I get here and it's like almost 80. <laughs> so I'm, now I'm walking around in shorts. So just a little, um, I'm sure my voice will, will clear up. I've been doing a lot of talking though uh, too also. So uh, what I would like to do is, so you guys have asked me, hey, to, to finish up the one I did with the two Alexes. Uh, I think this was around, I don't know, 13, whatever years, years ago. Uh, when I did my, my radio show and you guys said you really enjoyed um, hearing them and just to share a little bit, you know, about their background. We had quite a few people at that workshop um, during that time, I remember. Um, but I remember for them, uh, I guess you could say one of the common pieces for them was that both of their abuse, at, both of their abuses had taken place in a religious or faith um um, based, if you want to call it area in their life or during their time, almost like cults. And I mean, I just think about some of the people that I've had an opportunity to coach, um, that were, that were like part of cults. And it was like getting them out of those, those cults. Um, these two weren't uh, in that situation, but their abuse did take place, um, in religious settings. And so that was something that kind of bonded them, uh, when they were working together through the different issues, and so that was really, really neat to work with them in that. Here's the question I want to ask you um, before we get into the second part, the last part of their kind of uh, interview or sharing with you uh, some of the processes and things that they learned during the actual retreat. This was a question I posed to a, a possible or potential client last week and I want you to think about this when we're talking about healing and the question was uh, how worse does it have to get before you are willing and ready to start changing okay so you know what would that worst state look like that you would have to get to before you actually start working on the healing and you know that's an important question for us as survivors you know oftentimes when you listen to the podcast, you hear people share their stories and they'll talk about, yeah, you know, um, I, 
I wanted to or didn't want to or I kept denying that, you know, the abuse had affected me. And so oftentimes they'll say, man, I just, you know, if if I would have just taken just that one step and maybe that one step was just getting getting help. Um, so I want you to think about that if that's where you are. And as you listen to these podcasts and you hear people share their stories, I want you then to start envisioning where you can be if you start just moving forward and doing something to work on dealing with the trauma of the sexual abuse. All right, just something to to think about today. All right, so we'll finish up our little interview or debrief that we had with the two Alexes. And like I said, I hope that you guys enjoy uh, listening to them and the information what they gained in their lives and hopefully it will help to also progress and move you forward and last week we had two other participants uh here in studio and they're still here in studio and that was uh alex from north carolina and alex from california and um, i'm really appreciative um that they're here and that they're doing this and i'm really hoping that this gives other people a chance and an opportunity to start on the path towards healing. Now, I want to bring up uh, something. Actually, I'm going to ask uh, Alex C. To, to bring it up because he made a, a good point when we're talking about this that, um, you know, whatever the resource is to, to make sure that, you know, that you're doing something, which I totally support. What were you saying about that, Alex? Uh, well, you're encouraging people to go to the website, which, mm-hmm. of course, they should do, and um, hopefully come out to the retreat. But also, it can be really hard to start this healing process because you're so fearful or embarrassed or maybe think it's not that important. But go to the website and just do something. Just do something to address the issue. Just start thinking about it. Um, Healing from sexual abuse. Read a book on it. Talk to someone. Talk to yourself out loud. Do some journaling. And go to therapy and work towards going to the retreat if you don't think that you can jump in right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that, that's that's really good. I mean, most of the guys that, you know, come, they've either done a little work or they've at least talked about it or they've at least disclosed. And um, actually, it makes the retreat go a little bit more smoother because we're kind of starting from the from the perspective that, you know, maybe we've disclosed at least, you know, a little bit. And so we're not as afraid to disclose with the members that are there now you know when we uh did one of the one of the exercises we did one where we talked about giving voice we did the disclosure one but when we did the one exercise um concerning how does this affect you today you know was that difficult for you guys to to talk about those things or or even figure out how the sexual abuse affects you today as an adult because i run into a lot of a lot of guys Things are taking place in their life. They don't really realize or understand the dysfunction that's taking place. They think it's it's normal. I I can totally relate. Um, you know, you can't look at someone and know if they've been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. But being sexually abused, you might feel that someone can look at you and and tell. And you might also buy into that myth that it's not really affecting you. But I had an alcohol problem up until three or four months ago. I've gone to another group and it's really common to have substance abuse problems. So 
that's one of the effects that it's had on me and it has on many people. I really noticed how it's affected all of my relationships with people and how I think about interacting with people, not feeling comfortable in a group, feeling like I'm somehow left out or not participating, just not fitting in right, um, having a hard time voicing my opinion in, in some instances, and really one of the fundamental things is a lack of trust, yeah. not being able to, you may not think of it as a lack of trust, but if you can't open up to someone, it's because you can't trust them to be sincere to you and, and to be compassionate towards you. I've just had so much anger mm. my entire life. And uh, you don't even know what you're angry at a lot of times. You're just so angry. And I've always been so touchy. Um, if someone were to hurt my feelings, um, I didn't feel like a, a man who's getting his feelings hurt. You just shrug it off. It hurts deep. Mm -hmm. There's just uh, the walls and the the things that should be there to protect you aren't there. And then when it happens, what do you do? Well, you lash out. You've got to protect yourself. And that has hurt my relationship with my wife mm -hmm. tremendously. We've been married a long time, and she's been put through a lot because I didn't control my anger, and I didn't know why it was happening, and I thought it was just the way things were. Yeah. And so did you guys, did you kind of notice that, you know, the coping mechanisms that, let's just say that we use as a child, you know, that we're using as adults, but they're not working? They're not working for us? We're doing a lot of self-medicating that's taking place? Definitely. They're, they, they hold us back. They were mechanisms to protect us from what felt like a life-threatening situation. It can be, in, in many cases, a life-threatening situation. Um, but you don't even know that you're doing what you're doing. You don't understand, you know, you just feel like I don't fit in and there's something wrong with me. That's one of the biggest emo feelings, thoughts that I've had about myself is not feeling comfortable with myself, thinking that there's something wrong with me because of what was done to me. And because of that, you might stop yourself from going out and doing what what you need to do and stop yourself from opening up to people if i were to walk into a room of 10 people and you were to say all right we're going to rate everyone in this room uh, from one to ten on who they are as a person no real ideas about how you're going to rate them just as a person i would always be the one on the bottom mm -hmm. no matter what no matter who is in there because of what was going on inside me, the struggles, the pain, the, the anguish from the abuse that was always there since the day it happened. Now, when we, when we got to the section and where we're talking about, you know, destroying the myth and lies, what were some of the ones that really stood out to you? Because I remember, Alex, when we were driving down here and, um, and you were talking on the phone, you said there were ones that you didn't even realize or, or even think about some of the myths and lies that were out there and how people view those who have been abused, those survivors. Yes. Um, one of the things I hadn't realized is that a lot of uh, men who've been sexually abused often are abused by men. It happens, uh, women are abusers too, uh, more commonly men, but that it makes them gay or that the abuser must have been gay mm -hmm. because they were sexually abused 
abusing another man or another child, another boy. Right. Um, But that's not true at all because it's not about the sex. You know, the person who sexually abused me could have had sex with his wife if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. He chose to hurt a little boy. And, you know, that doesn't make me gay. I haven't questioned my sexuality in that way. But I understand that it really can confuse confuse people. Right, right. And it's about the power and, and control. What about you? When we went through that section of Myth and Lies, was there anything that, that stood out for, for you? The hardest thing I've had to deal with is that it's my fault. Yeah. I was four. But I still felt, when I look back, I think, oh, well, you, you know, you should have been able to do something. You should have been able to run. Uh, uh, you should have been able to hide just anything and that's really hard to get over uh, just I'm just hard on myself in general and uh, we had some looks at the yeah. the meeting and and you're like shaking your head at me you know you've got to get through this but that's that's been my heart and I imagine there's a lot of men out there who could have had it happen at the same time or, or later in life, but uh, you talked to me about a power differential, mm-hmm. and that was there, and that, uh, that still affects me today, and so it is a myth, and it's something that you've got to accept as a myth and move forward, or you're never going to get anywhere. Right, that's true. One other myth that was I had not even considered um, from society's standpoint, someone who hasn't been sexually abused hears about someone who has been sexually abused or someone comes forward and they might think that therefore they are going to sexually abuse another child and that one kind of it just it really broke my heart you know it really let me down because I know that I can't control other people's viewpoints and just how disheartening that was because I mean imagine if you were hit by a drunk driver in your car does that mean that you're going to go out drinking and go hit someone else? You know, if someone murdered uh, someone in your family, are you going to go out and murder some random per- some other person? It's just, you know, I don't want to hurt other people because I know how much it hurt me. Yeah, and that's, you know, as, as we do this, and that's one of the, the things that we have to continually try to do, and that's, of course, to educate people, to educate know their hearts and help them to realize that maybe some of these things that they that they believe some of these things that they think some of these um, myths that society has purported you know especially concerning this subject that, that they're they're not true and that we uh, hopefully that we're exposing them to that now when we come back from the break we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about some of the things and I want you guys to share with me especially with one of the uh, the DVDs or the videos that we watched um, it was the one with Tony Combs uh, that had a deep impact uh, even on, on me. So when we get back, we'll talk a little bit about that. Now, during part of the retreat, we, you know, we watched the, the DVD of Tony Combs and, and we got to hear Tony Combs' story. You know, the one thing I noticed that when we all watched that DVD, it hit everybody really hard. I mean, it even hit me really hard. And um, And then at the same point, though, there were parts of it that were difficult because you could see as he was dealing with the childhood sexual abuse how it also was ruining his life, his, his, his wife and, and family, and where, those, uh, and where the anger was actually taking him. How did you guys process that, deal with that? 
It was killing me. Yeah. Um, going through that right now myself uh, to see how angry he was and how much it was affecting his wife. And he, his focus had gone from healing and getting this out in the open and making sure that uh, people were accountable to just him being so, so bitter and angry with his accuser that it was, it, it was, it was ruining him. And that was really hard to watch. Hmm. What about you, Alex? When the, DV, the movie starts out, um, Tony is addressing this issue of being sexually abused by a priest. And he decides that he's going to file a lawsuit along with some other men. And they file a lawsuit. And he starts off strong. And I was really proud of, of him standing up. And I remember at one point in the movie them saying, you know, if they were going to offer you a settlement for a million dollars, these guys talking amongst themselves, um, filing the lawsuit, would you, would you settle for money? And he said, there's no way that I would settle that. I want an apology. And, and he kept fighting and his lawyer said, this might be an eight year process. And he was losing his wife and he was losing his children who were angry at him because he wouldn't let this go. And it had to be done the way he wanted it to. And he was distancing himself from everyone because he wanted to solve it um, the way he wanted it to be solved. Um, So the movie ended actually with him accepting a settlement. He had broken up with with his wife. They were separated. And at the end of the movie, there was a blurb saying that they are now back together. He accepted a settlement. And I... Thought that was an unhappy ending at first, as so far as mm-hmm. he took the settlement, and then I realized, well, actually, that might have been his his strength, and that was him coming back. You know, he was able to get back together with his wife, and perhaps he was able to settle because he was able to let go of having to be in control of power over the abuser. He was able to give up um, having to be in control of the situation. I think and. Yeah, see, it's interesting as as we watch it, and I thought about that, and I thought about, you know, childhood sexual abuse where it is about power and his control. And it's a flip side because it's almost like that's where he was, that's where he was headed. And so that's what it was becoming for him. It was becoming the power and control over the situation, and he was allowing it to control him. What he wanted to control, he really couldn't control. And so he was becoming, you know, um, ups, obsessed with that. And so that's what I kind of noticed as uh, as we were watching that 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 DVD, and like I said, it was it was really hard, uh, really difficult to watch. Now, when we did the "Where Are You You App," so mapping out, you know, and I think we did that actually after <laughs> after we had watched that, and we had talked about the concept, um, you know, that you're not just in um, one phase or one stage, and then it's just over. But this is kind of a constant thing that we're always dealing with. And I asked you guys this this question, do you feel, do you believe that the childhood sexual abuse has left an indelible mark on you? Do you guys remember what your answer was? I yes. said absolutely. You said absolutely. I said no. You I don't no. think that there there's an indelible mark. I think that perhaps if you have a scar that's it's there, but I think that it's not keeping you back and it's not making you non-functional I think that you can grow and become stronger just like if you break your bone um, if it doesn't heal properly 
um, if you break your arm and it doesn't heal properly, your arm's going to be weak for the rest of your life. However, if it is allowed to set properly, there's actually scar tissue in that bone that's going to make it stronger where it originally broke. So I think that by healing properly and really addressing the issues, it's going to make you a stronger person. You're still going to have the memories, of course, but it's not going to be keeping you down. Okay. I think you just agreed that there's an indelible mark. You fixed it, but it's definitely there. You have that scar tissue where that break was. Um, absolutely. I think that you could turn this into something good. Uh, there's this guy. His name's uh, Thomas Edward, and he has done a lot of amazing things for people like me. And uh, so, but yes, the mark will always be there, and it's a shame. It's and so, I, I, it sounds like I think at least for me, it's like um, for me, it's like the mark is there, but it's like, do I focus on it? So, when I take a shower or whatever, I see the scars. And for me, you know, and so I, I see the torture and stuff that took because they're they're there. But then it's like, well, do I focus on them or it's like, OK, they're there. I realize that happened. I accept that. And then I continue to move on. So for me, it's, you know, as far as it's like for me, it's it's always there. I know because I have physical stars that that are there to prove uh, that it happened. But I don't um, allow it to um, become my world. Right. But then it's kind of hard because at the same time, maybe I do to a point where I'm doing this. In other <laughs> words, it reminds me of that. And then that's one of the things that pushes me to continue to try and try and do this. I've wondered about that. You know, you hosting so many workshops and continually having, you know, continually delving into that. That must yeah. be really, really difficult for you. Yeah, I mean, it gets, you know, the, the intensity is, is um, it probably is less. And so it gets easier, you know, each time to share those parts of the story, at least some of the story. So, like, you guys know on this one, there was things I hadn't, hadn't shared before. Like I said, this group, there was just something about this group that just, just brought it out. And so there it was. But it was great to have that avenue to be able to do that and to express that. And so I, so I thought it, I thought it was great for me. You know, it was wonderful. <laughs> so I was glad, I was glad about that. Now I have to address one thing. Some of you guys said that during the treat, you think that you actually gained weight. <laughs> so now I have to start a fat farm. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, your food is very good. I, I feel bad for everyone else uh, out there listening that you don't get to eat his food because it's fantastic, and I definitely gained some weight. Uh, Thomas is a wonderful chef. Um, I was so grateful to have him cooking for me, and I really, I did have an appetite. I mean, the food was so good, it's yeah. hard to resist, but um, working through the issues, it's tough emotionally, yes. man. You get exhausted um, and tired. You know, you can be really tired and... Yeah, it, it takes out of you, so you got to put something back into you. Yeah, you <laughs> do. So for the workshop, what do you guys think about it um, from the perspective of what we did was we combined several things. So we We're all human, and people are going to let you down. And those who have dealt with childhood sexual abuse have been really let down, um, maybe from a very early age. So, yeah, I think that was very important. I think it was fantastic. I've uh, been to counselors, I've been to psychologists, and <laughs> never have I experienced any healing from talking to them. Oh, yeah, well, you know, you're okay. 
it's not your fault. Those things get old. You hear them so yeah. much. This was very different. Okay. For me, integrating was a very big and crucial step. Um, like like I said earlier, the first first broadcast, healing my relationship has been the most important step. That is the number one basic thing that I've had to do. And I've been doing some secular therapy and group, and I've read a secular book before this. And um, that, it kept my spirituality somewhat separate. Oh, I, I feel like I don't fit into groups. And I would say, I would think in my mind how I've got to fix it. And after this workshop, now I realize that. On. Excellent. Yeah, and that's why I think it needs to be it needs to be integrated. Well, once again, man, our time is gone. But, you know, guys, I really want to thank you for coming into the studio and, and, and sharing your experiences, what you've learned, the things that have helped you. Um, like I said, you guys, it was just, I don't know, there was just something great about this retreat that has just been different from many of the other ones. It's been awesome. And I'm so glad that you guys are part of family. Thank you. And I hope we continue to help people find 